Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And it's time. It's end of year. It is the end of the year. We are doing something that we promised like four years to never do again, I feel like. Um, but we're recording back-to-back episodes, which we have not oh, done yeah. in a long time. Yeah. Um, and we promised to never do that again, but the timing is just working out this, uh, this way. Schedules for the week are very tight, so. Schedules for the week and then like end-of-year vacations. And yeah. We have to put a, we have to create a lot of content in a very short time. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, so yes. here we are. Yes. Um, cool. Um, do you want to kick off the episode with your big, exciting news? Uh, sure. We'll use that as the intro. <laughs> okay. Um, so after two years in the Bay Area and uh, San Francisco, um, I guess it's time to announce that uh, I'm moving back to Chicago. So the podcast will no longer be cross-country um, as of probably March. Yeah, it'll be sometime in the spring. Sometime yeah. in the spring, yeah. We'll be back to recording in the same location, drinking Chicago beers and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, get ready because it's just going to be chaos again. <laughs> Except I think we're not recording in person. We agree that it's I don't know. We'll, we'll sort it out as we go. Um, but, but yeah, get ready for more power hours because we'll be able to do those again. We'll be able to do power hours again. <laughs> That's what matters. So in honor of um, the announcement today, I'm drinking my personal favorite California beer. Um, and this is Death and Taxes by Moonlight Brewing Company. Um, this is a, it's just called a black beer, but it's their original black lager. Um, it says this is the original San Francisco style black lager, deceptively dark yet surprisingly light bodied, drinkable and perfectly refreshing and delicious. That's, um, actually like exactly how I would describe it is like extremely light, but malty and dark coffee flavors. Um, essentially like a. A stout, but lager yeah. form. Yeah, Death in Texas um, is a really good beer. Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, I am drinking Tunnel of Trees from True Brewing out in Denver. Um, Steve was out there this week for work and brought me back a bunch of beer. So I am drinking beer that he bought me. Um, this is an, a, a, a traditional American-style IPA. It's about 7%. Um Uses Chinook, Centennial, and Citra hops. Nice. Um, so the three words I think I'm going to use for this are roasted, coffee, and light. Those are good words. Um, this is piney, I'm going to say resinous, and smooth. Nice. Okay, so I guess it's time to get into the episode. Let's do um, it. As mentioned, we're doing end of year. Um, so as usual, we start off with music. Um, and that'll be its own episode. And then the next episode will be TV, movies, and like everything else. Yeah. Um, and I actually have notes for once, which is exciting because I never have notes. So... Um... Obviously, we've talked a ton about music releases throughout the year. Um, obviously, I talk about it every month. Yep. 
and then you know we kind of did a mid-year wrap-up and talked about some stuff and uh yeah so do you want to talk about some of our top albums of the year first and then we can talk about some live shit we did do you want to do spotify wrapped first Ooh, yeah, good call. Okay, let me pull my... I feel like that's fine, and then we'll go into our top albums. Our, our, our favorite albums, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, my Spotify wrapped, actually, I thought was kind of funny, because it is not at all the top musician I expected. I mean, it makes sense, uh, but I just was surprised. Yeah, so mine's funny, because my top artists do not match my top songs, um, and looking at my top artists, I listened to them for like 250 minutes or something like that. So they're only top because I essentially listened to like an album a couple times. Yeah. Um, versus like splitting music amongst other artists, um, which is very odd for me. I think normally I do hyperfixate more than this. Yeah. Um, so it's weird to see that I didn't hyperfixate that much, except I did after wrapped wrapped. <laughs> Yeah. I hyper have hyper fixated for the last month and a half. Oh, yeah. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh, okay, so I can go first um, okay. about my top artists, and then you can yeah. do top artists, and we'll do top songs after. Um, my top artist is Taylor Swift. <laughs> Number two is Harry Styles. Number three is Joy Wave. Number four is the 1975. And number five is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um. You said you only listened to Taylor Swift for like 200-something minutes? Something like that, yeah. It was probably right after the new album drops, and I listened sure. to it like a handful of times. Sure. Um, so my top artists were Wet Leg, Yard Act, The O.C.'s, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, and Animal Collective. Yeah, I mean, that's much cooler than mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, um, I, I ex- listened to Wet Leg for 708 minutes, and I am in the top... of listeners. Those are rookie numbers. To that guy at Empty Bottle that one time, (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) Um, I will say something I learned, which I didn't know. I thought that if you downloaded a playlist and were on a plane, Spotify was not counting that music. So I downloaded This Is Harry Styles for a plane ride and listened to that for like an entire plane ride, probably a couple times. Um, and I think that is the reason Harry Styles is so high up. I mean, Harry's House is a great album. I listened to a lot of Harry Styles this year, this, so I yeah. get it. Yeah, um, no, how many minutes of her. music total did you have? Not very much. 18, uh, not around 19,000, a little under 19,000. I had just under 45,000. Yeah, it's interesting because like, in 2019, right before COVID hit, um, I had over 100,000 minutes that year. Uh, Isn't that because you were that... listening to music when you were sleeping and it was that's why the vaccines were your top artist because you would listen to them when you would sleep? When I went to like as like a yeah. go to sleep. Yeah. Because uh, I was living by myself. It was like I needed something to fill the yeah. air. Um, but not just that. Like I was also commuting and I feel like yeah. in the last like two years when my commute is my bed to a desk, um, like rolling out of bed, <laughs> I don't listen to nearly as much um, because I like, you know, just get up right when I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also find that, like, I tend to listen to less Spotify and more albums on, like, vinyl these days yeah. as well. Um, so I think that's interesting is, like, my Spotify listening is going down as I buy, like, more and more vinyls of bands, like, I would not have normally bought stuff for. That's fair. Um, and I just listen to that. Uh, yeah, I I commute to work, so... 
I yeah. listen to music. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't listen now... to music during work, though. Like, at, the, at this new job, it, I don't listen to, I don't, we play music in our area, so we kind of take yeah. turns who's running the music, so we'll see how I do with new album yeah. releases next year, just because I'm not listening to them while I'm working the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't listen as much during work, because I'm in meetings all day, yeah. like, this last year. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, like, my my listening has hit that. Um, but let's do top songs. Yeah. Um, so number one is Dark Days, Dark Days um, by Local by Yard Natives. Act? Oh, no, Local what? Natives? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Dark Days by Yard Act. No, it's Dark Days by, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not clear because it doesn't say, but I'm pretty sure it's by Local Natives. Local Natives, okay. Number two is Locust Laced by Sleigh Bells. Sleigh Bells. Uh, number three is So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings by Caroline Polachek. Um, and number four is Future Me Hates Me by The Baths. And number five is Chaos Space Marine by Black Country New Road. Uh, how many of those songs were on your Daredevil playlist? Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dark Days and So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings were both on the Daredevil playlist. Um, my top five songs are Across That Fine Line by Nation of Language, Wet Dream by Wet Leg, Brain Telephone by Frankie and the Witchfingers. Slowly separate by crows and then too late now by wet leg. Um, uh, two of those songs were on my daredevil <laughs> playlist. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that checks out because we didn't, we both created a fire playlist about daredevil. Um, I and then I got like, on that. Half of my top hundred songs were on that fucking playlist. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I listened um, to that. That playlist is fucking fire. So, you know, half of my, I would say half of my top hundred songs are from that playlist because it's so good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then I will say my top genres were indie rock, indie pop, pop punk, which is always there, um, probably because I listen to Taking Back Sunday a lot, rock, and then neo-psychedelic is my number five, and I love that for me. Uh, my top five is indie rock, rock, neo-psychedelic, pop, and then chamber psych. Interesting. Um, and then I think the only other interesting thing I want to talk about was my audio day because <laughs> it's actually very accurate. Uh, it says my mornings are exciting, indie heads, and yearning. My afternoon, which is makes sense because that's like when I'm waking up and like trying to hype myself up for the day. Usually, like I'll put something on while I'm cooking breakfast. Afternoon is enthusiastic, powerful, and intense, which is around the time that I'm like trying to power through specs and like blasting music into my ear. But then my nights are reminisce sad boy nostalgia, which is also a vibe and also correct. Um, I do not have that readily handy for mine. That's also, fine. mine I was not the reminisce. Mine was not interesting. So no, the reminisce sad boy nostalgia killed me. That's the only reason I'm talking about this. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's our Spotify Wrapped. Um, you want to do top albums next? Sure. Um. I'm just going to go out and say uh, my top album of the year is Disc. Desperately imagining someplace quiet. Um, that is my number one album of the year. Interesting. I was going to prelude <laughs> a little bit and not just go straight into it. Oh, but, okay. Uh, that's fine. I was just going to say that like, I feel like this year was harder to narrow down my yes. top 10 than, mo- yes. than the past in the past when we've done this. Um, I know you had a short list of 35. I had a short list of 21. But then even narrowing down to just 10 was extremely difficult for me. 
Yeah, for my sh- my short list was already narrowed down, and it was yeah. still thirty five albums. So, right. um, yeah, this was a yeah, really so good just... year for music. Things were really good, um, and like everything was super high caliber. And I think that's why I had such a hard time narrowing it down. Yeah, and like combine that with the fact that people didn't really release a whole lot of music in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, so this is like pe- music people have been sitting on, considering like how hard it is to make vinyl and whatnot, um, and like the supply chain. This is probably music people have been working on for quite some time, mm-hmm. um, like perfecting and kind of like playing around with. Um, so it makes sense that it's like such such high caliber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay, your number one. I feel like we should go ten down. Oh, you want to go ten down? We can do go ten down. Um, so my number 10 is Disc, Desperately Imagining Someplace Quiet. It's a great album. Yeah, it's a great um, album. I didn't think you would expect for me to have that on here. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I didn't expect – I expected it to be on the short list, but I don't think I thought it was going to be one that made it. Yeah, I was, like, fighting with myself about what to put as 10 because I was struggling so hard. And so, like, with 10, I was debating the 1975 Joy Wave – the bats in disc, mm-hmm. uh, and disc. I was I listened to all each one of them too before I picked my tenth, um, and then I picked. Um, my number ten is Working Men's Club. Fear, fear. Nice. Um, my number nine is always Blue Rev. Um, that got cut on my short list, so that did no. not make my top list but uh my number nine is a light for attracting attention by the smile you know i'm a little surprised uh, i i figured that made your list i thought it would be higher i know how much um, you love that you album. know i had a really hard time ordering this because i didn't really know where to put this because obviously it's one of my top albums of the year um like i've listened to it so much that i just you know this is it's, this is kind of where it fell no, I know. That makes me really excited for the rest because yeah. that came so low in the top ten. Yeah. Um, okay, so my number eight is Rina Sawayama, Hold the Girl. Oh, that's great. Uh, my physical copy of that just showed up, so nice. I'm very excited to play with that. Um, so my number eight is um, Deep in View by Cola. Nice. That made my short list as well. Um, at, I... Didn't know how I felt about that album, but then when we saw them live and I heard it live, I was like, oh, this album fucks. Yeah, I mean, also it was a good show, too. Yeah, they were fantastic. So I think seeing it live made me, like, have a totally different perspective on it, and then I listened to the shit out of this album. Yeah. Um, Also, just to go back, The Smile also was on my... The Smile and Cola. I think everything you've said so far has been on my short list, or I mean my list so far. Yeah. Um, number seven is Black Midi's Hellfire. That got cut from my short list. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a really good album, though. Like, that was one I had a really hard time letting go. I'm really afraid of, like, what your top five are, because I feel like ours are very different now, if that's what yeah, you put that. Yeah, um, my number seven is Foul Form by OCs. Interesting. That was on my short list as well. I had to cut that. I was actually debating between... Black Mini and the OCs and who I was going to put on here because I didn't I yeah. didn't think I can't, I didn't think both would be end up on here so I was debating mm-hmm. like oh god who do I put mm-hmm. um, number six is 
Hideous Bastard by Oliver Sim. That made my top 20, not my top 10. Yeah. Um, I love that album so much. It's so good. Um, my number six is actually uh, Wet Leg by Wet Leg. <laughs> okay. Um, my number five is Ants from Up There by Black Country New Road. Number five? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, my number five is um, The Overload by Yard Act. Nice. Um, my number four is Wet Leg by Wet Leg. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I think this is where you might be surprised at the order of things. Yeah. But I think you're probably not going to be surprised by the content. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Time Skips by Animal Collective. Okay. Um, my number three is Cave World by Viagra Boys. That got cut from the shortlist pretty early, actually. Really? Yeah. Pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that got, I think that one got cut in the first narrowing down. Interesting. Okay. Um, my number three is God Save the Animals by Alex G. Okay. Are we on two? Yeah. Like you just you, said you three. Are sorry. Num- I, I did three. So yeah, you, are yeah, you just two. said three too. Um, my number two is um, Beware Believers by Crows. Um, that made my top 20 as well. Uh, that album was, oh, it's such a good album. It's so good. Uh, my number two is Ants from Up There by Black Country New Road. Okay. Um, my number one is The Overload by Yard Act. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's like my, my absolute favorite album of the year. Yeah. My number one, like I said earlier, is uh, Disc, Desperately Imagining Someplace Quiet. Okay. Um, yeah, my, it's interesting. Yeah, right? The, I don't, you, you were right. You texted me earlier and you were like, I think I'm going to have a few surprises on here for you. Like, and and not surprised by what you picked. I'm more surprised that like some of the things I thought you'd put on here would make like you didn't put on here would make it. And like it's interesting because the first time you did this was 2018, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, we had very or maybe 2019. I can't remember. We had very very similar lists, just like kind of different yeah. ordered. And then 2020 or the year after, it was like less similar. And like I think over the years. We're getting like less and less um, of like the shared list, which I think is fun too. Yeah, it definitely this, introduces like be... some more variety. Yeah, exactly. So that we're not just listening to the same music. Yeah. Our uh, our blend is no longer just the same songs over and over again because we're listening to this. We're both listening to the same music. Well, because we're both listening to our blend only. That's fair. <laughs> um, so I actually have a list of my top eighteen because I share the other nine on my mm-hmm. personal Instagram page. Um, I have Beware Believers by Crows. Um, I have Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You by Big Thief. I have Crash by Charlie XCX. Hideous Bastard by Oliver Sim. Blue Skies by Dead. Scrutiny by Fashion Club. Hollow Drum by Hollow Drum. And then um, Natural Brown Prom Queen by Sudan Archives. Okay, interesting. My um, additional pieces of shortlist were The O.C.'s, um, The Foul Forum, The 1975 Being Funny in a Foreign Language, Joy Wave Cleanse, and then The Breaths, Expert in a Dying Field. So that's, like, who I tried to narrow it down from mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. outside of my, like, shortlist. Yeah, it was a good year for music. Yeah, it was. I'm just, like, still surprised. <laughs> 
Um, I I was having a really hard time picking like my top five. I was having a really hard time deciding what goes where. Yeah, I um <clears throat> for my top five, the way I did it was I put I knew Yardex was number one. Yeah. But then for like two through four, I put the numbers I would be okay with them ending up with these albums ending up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like in thinking about my list holistically, I was like, okay, this could be either two, four, five or whatever, two, three, yeah. four, five. And I did that for everyone. And then like when there was only one, two, I was like, okay, well, this is obviously two then. Yeah. Um, and then had to figure out where the rest sat, where I was like, okay, do I like this better than this? Where do I feel okay with this sitting? Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple, I mean, I don't even remember what else was on my longer list. Obviously, I said Black Midi, Los Bichos was on there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, there were a bunch of other ones, too. The OCs actually almost didn't make it. And then I was really? like, reevaluating, and I was like, no, foul form makes it. Yeah. Rena was on there, and that got pulled. Uh, Steve Lacey was on there, and that got pulled. Yeah, I was actually surprised that Charlie XCX um, or Rena did end up on your list because you've been very not in the top ten. Yeah, Charlie is in my top twenty, but she did not make my top ten. Yeah, cool. Um, Let's get into some shows, and then we can talk about like general music stuff because some stuff happened in music this year, and it got interesting to talk about. Yeah, so um, I went to six music festivals this year, which is a new record. Um, I went to. Just Like Heaven, I went to both weekends of Primavera Sound in Barcelona. I went to Pitchfork, Lollapalooza, and Riot Fest. And then I also, we went to Portola Music Festival out in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so I did four, um, Just Like Heaven. I did some of Noise Pop, like just individual days. Um, Riot Fest and Portola. Um, what was your favorite festival that you went to as a whole? Ooh. For music or like overall? Cause I feel overall. like I have different answers. You, I mean, you, if it's different answers, you can say what the difference is. Like, um, I think overall, just like heaven was probably the most fun festival for me. Mm-hmm. Music wise. Maybe Portola. I or was also actually, maybe maybe just like heaven again. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite festival, uh, music wise, was obviously Primavera, um, but I think Portola was my favorite festival I went to this year. See, I I think Portola was hard because it's their first year, so like there's yeah. obviously a lot of like hiccups that they have to iron out. And right, but I had a fucking blast. So oh, I mean, it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I just think that place is like hard to get to for one yeah um and just some things to iron out that's why i wouldn't like put it as like my favorite overall um it was a lot of fun it was very cool like running into people it was just kind of a shit show like not having service so like yeah if you split up with somebody you may never see them yeah again um so which i thought was like not great um but overall i thought the music was a lot of fun um i never thought i'd go to a festival like that to be honest um, I didn't either, but um, actually, that's a lie. I've been to electronic festivals before. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I've never been to electronic festivals, and like I kind of see the appeal of it. Um, they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not think they're going to be able to come back with a lineup as good as it was this year, in like next year. I don't know, though. It's Golden Voice. They can do like whatever. That's fair. 
Um, well, I just know because like Primavera, their lineup for 2023 just dropped and it's not good. Yeah, like they I'm, so having two weekends this year with a different lineup each weekend, like they lost, like that's why there's like no bands playing next year. Yeah, I mean, so I think with Portola, what's interesting is because it's run by Golden Voice, they basically said that like they decided to put on the festival that they've always wanted. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Portola is not going to be as electronic in the future. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be just more mainstream and like mixed with electronic. That's fair. So, like, I mean, Charlie XCX played this year. You know, like, there may be more pop stars that they bring on for next year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, while maintaining, like, mainstream electronic music. I'm not quite sure. We'll see, though. Yeah. Um, I guess we can just talk about some of the other shows we went to. Um, sure. Well, was there any festival lineup that you saw that you didn't go to that you wanted to go to? Mm, I mean, Shaky Knees was really good this year. Yeah. Green Day, um, Nine Inch Desert. Nails. Yeah. Desert Days was Desert really Days good. Was Levitation was really good. Yeah. So, yeah, all those. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stood out to me lineup-wise. I mean, Desert Days and Levitation, I think, were the two yeah, big I ones. Yeah, I mean, I think for Knees. me, Levitation is like a like a dream festival to go to one year yeah we're actually considering doing that for halloween next year nice um all right cool so let's get into some of the live shows we went to like do you have a favorite show this year uh it's really hard um a couple of my favorite performances I saw, um, obviously, I mean, this wasn't a festival, but Nine Inch Nails at Riot Fest was crazy. Yeah. Um, OCs was fantastic. Um, I actually, I wrote this down because it was my first time seeing them live, but um, Washed Out is nice. amazing. He is so yeah. good. I love Washed um, Out. Also, I got to see the Strokes play at the Metro. I got to see the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs play at the Metro this year. Mm-hmm. So I got to go to a couple really cool concert experiences that, you know, you don't really get to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are a couple of the highlights. Oh, and I saw Jawbreaker do the 25th anniversary performance of Dear You. Nice. Um, I think for me, one of my favorite shows and highlights of the year was seeing Yard Act um, at rickshaw stop um they're just fantastic live i love that band so fucking they're much. so good live um, um their singer looks like a crazy person he also looks really young i think he's older than we are he's got I mean, i'm be. sure he is he's not like young young but like he look has a baby face yeah i don't know i um, think he's i don't i do not think he looks that young oh i thought he did <laughs> Um, also seeing Black Midi in BCNR was a great offer. It was a great show. Um, people were like going crazy for that shit too. The, o- the OCs, um, and Frankie and the Witchfingers, I saw them both at, uh, the chapel and that was my first time seeing the OCs at the chapel was my first show at the chapel and, um, like now my favorite venue in San Francisco. It's so good. Um, what else? So both of those were great. Um, I said Black Midi. Oh my God, Phoenix. Phoenix is on my list as well. Phoenix was incredible. Their stage setup for this tour is unreal. Yeah. Oh my God, it's beautiful. 
Like, and those I, t- uh, I kept asking Matt, I was like, are those 8K TVs? Because they're really nice. Um, I remember I saw Phoenix a couple years ago on tour for their last album, and they had a sweet stage set up then. So, like, that's just, like, their thing, I guess. It's like, these are just crazy stage setups. Well, they got money. They do. Um, I also put down um, Animal Collective, because I saw them right after Time Skips came out. Um, mm-hmm. That was amazing. I actually um, saw them twice this year. Um, the the specific performance I'm referencing on my list was the one here in Chicago, but I saw them in L.A. at the Greek Theater as well. Nice. The other one was Viagra Boys at the Independent. I saw them again later. They were with Shane, um, but at the Independent was a much better show. And then I also thought I had a lot of fun seeing um, the Porn Crumpets twice this year. Uh, I love them, and like they, I mean, they play, they put on a great show. So it was, it was great seeing them. Yeah, I put Acid Dad on my yeah, list as well. Acid Dad and Porn Crumpets. Yeah, well, that was just a stacked show. Um, I got to see King Gizzard three times over the course of a week earlier this year. Nice, and that was crazy because that's when they were doing their six night residency in Barcelona, basically. And they did a different set list every night. Yeah, so they do that whenever there's a residency. Because, like, when yeah. I saw them at Red Rocks, they, they did different for the Red songs, Rocks yeah. residency. Yeah, they're playing different songs. They'll be doing this. They'll probably do the same thing at um, Next Salt year. Shed. Yeah. Um, but I got to see the performance that was my favorite was the last one. And it was the last night they were playing. They did Hell, Planet B, uh, Shanghai, and Rattlesnake. Nice. Yeah, um, for the show I saw them at Red Rocks. I completely forgot because it's not on my calendar. It's on Matt's. Um, they played Hell, Rattlesnake, and Planet B, um, and it was great. Yeah, they that was yeah. so much fun. What else is on here? Oh, I saw Wet Leg open for Rina Sawayama at Primavera. I love that. Yeah, that was weird. And it was the Linda Lindas, too. So that was the first time I ever saw them. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first time I saw Wet Leg. That was phenomenal. Like, that is the best time I've seen them, was when I saw them in Spain. That makes sense. Uh, what else do I have from Spain listed here? Uh, Big Thief, that performance was incredible. They played all the bangers. Which sounds weird to say that Big Thief has bangers, but they played yeah, all the bangers. Yeah, I was going to say, but... And the entire crowd was, like, singing along to the whole thing. Like, oh, it was just so good. It was such a vibe. It was like the middle of the night. It was great. Um, And then I also have Charlie XCX at Primavera. Yeah, that's the one where you went, like, on the side stage, right? And it was like nobody was there. Yeah, there was, like, nobody there when we went and saw her. Because King Gizzard played right uh, before her. And, like, the Gizzard fans and the Charlie XCX fans didn't stay. Crossover. Yeah, it was me and Steve (laughs) for the crossover. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you have anything else for shows? Um, well, it's really... I uh, The other two that I haven't mentioned were, um, I guess, three. I have a couple more. I'll just read the other ones. Uh, Nation of Language at Talia Hall. Um, they were fantastic seeing them. I've seen them a bunch now. Um, uh, Fontaine's DC at the Vic was really good. Yeah, um, I feel like the Fontaine show here was fine. Oh, I thought they were phenomenal. 
here. Uh, I just don't like the venue that they played at. The sound oh, is terrible fair. at that venue. It's like um, seeing them at the Riv. Like, the sound is fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, I saw, We saw them at the Vic, but we also saw them at Primavera, and their set was way better at the Vic than at Primavera. Okay. Uh, Frankie and the Witchfingers um, at Subterranean. That's the show where the guy walked into the pit holding a tray of shots and yeah, didn't get bumped, didn't get touched. And I was like, this is insanity. Yep. Um, the National, when they headlined Pitchfork, that was an incredible set. I love The National. Um, mm-hmm. And then local natives at Lollapalooza. I've seen local natives quite a few times now, and they played all of the hits off of every single album, even the super that. old stuff. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're playing this. Oh, my God. They're playing this. Like, it was so great. Oh, and then uh, Turnstile. Duh. Casually. Turnstile. The Turnstile cool. um, Snail Mail JPEG Mafia show. So I think for the last bit, you want to talk through just some music things that happened this year. Um, yeah. I think the first thing that uh, comes to mind for me is like, I mean, obviously this is like the norm, I guess, but King Gizzard dropped four albums. Three of them were in the same month. Um they were fine. They were fine. They were fine. Um, my note for other things in music is I'm currently just walking around quoting all of the Maddie Healy auto tune bits from the tour. <laughs> I actually think that's an interesting thing to talk about because obviously, like TikTok is the Tumblr 2.0. Yeah. Um, and so the 1975 were a Tumblr band. Like, yeah. I saw this interview where Maddie Healy was like talking about his accomplishments, and he was like, "Oh, I invented Tumblr." I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like. That's how they were big, and that's kind of the same situation that's going on with TikTok right now, like where everyone's getting a ton of 1975 content. The 1975 girlies are coming back. They're recruiting new 1975 girlies. Um, Maddie Healy's just chaotic. I saw a really good TikTok actually about this that was like, he must be a marketing genius because every day I'm on TikTok and something new happened. He did something different. Did he kiss somebody? Is there a new auto-tune? Is he touching himself again? Like, there's something different that's like people are blowing up about. I actually heard people are mad at him because after that one show where he ate raw meat on stage, he had to yeah, be hospitalized sick. and canceled a that's performance. That's not true. I thought he did. No, that was... I saw... Somebody posted, like, a an article about it, and at the bottom it says, this is fake. I'm just making this up. Oh, I saw, I literally, that was not No, he canceled, what... I think, Tiny Desk after that. Oh, okay. But, yeah. From he, what like, I understand. But he did not cancel any shows. Because oh, I thought he did. I don't know. No. I don't follow, literally, the only thing I follow, 1975, is the auto-tune bits. I so, do not know what's happening with them. I, I don't know. I think I've been on the, the TikTok from, like, the first show for some reason. Because I was getting the MSG ones as they were happening. Um, and so, like, I and I think maybe it's because I had tickets and, like, I've been listening. I had started listening to the new album and TikTok mm-hmm. knew that. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, the autotune bits are the best. I just need an autotune album of Maddie Healy just saying things in autotune. Honestly, if you could just do a whole song about don't like menthols, menthols, I would be very content. That would be my number one Spotify rap song. 
I mean, it, it's my, like, if, when there's going to be, like, a TikTok rap, it's probably going to be my, if there's um, a TikTok Your, remember when your, one of your top, most listened to things on Spotify was the Fortnite song? Wasn't that last year? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was because, um, it was a podcast. It was a podcast, That's how yeah. it was on Spotify, yeah. And I listened to it, like, three times, which... Is apparently like I listened to one podcast and that's ours, and so this was like, hey, you listen to this other podcast this year. It's the fucking Fortnite song. Yeah. Um, I I made a note of this. This is like a really just me being really being really lazy making notes. Uh, I just wrote finna be in the pit. Harry Styles fans have been fucking nuts this year. Oh my god, the Harry Styles fans are back and they are worse than before. Um, yes, I agree. The Harry. Because that girl says Harry. Says Harry. She doesn't say, like, Harry. She goes, Harry. Harry. Okay. She's not British either. Oh, no. That's even worse. <laughs> no, she's, like, from Rhode Island. So she says, like, Harry. Um, but, um, yeah. His fans yeah, have been... Yeah, be in the pit is great. But, yeah, the fans are... They were okay, I feel like, during... Because Love on Tour... Did it start last year? Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like last year with them on all their fits, they were like fine because they weren't like feral. They are like um, insane. This but year. since he did like a resident, he's been doing residencies in places for a little while, and I feel like those people have gotten feral. Um, My old intern went to three nights in Chicago, and she lives in Milwaukee. I just like don't get that because you know how much money they're paying for the shit. Oh yeah. Like. And I know that these people that are going, like, cannot afford that. That comes back to, like, the whole Taylor Swift thing. And we can talk about that in a second. Like, how are you affording to buy these, like, tickets? Like, are you just severely in debt? I mean, the fact that I'm not severely in debt with all the concert tickets I buy is You also don't buy $1,000 concert tickets. Oh, God, no. When the Jack White tickets for this week were almost $100, I was, like, angry. Exactly. You don't buy $1,000 tickets. No. And, like, so we'll take this to the Taylor Swift concert. So she had an album drop, announced a tour. It was a massive shit show buying it. I think big news. We'll talk about that in a second. But, like, on resale, her tickets are, like, $50,000. And people are like, who the fuck is buying these? I mean, nobody. It's just, like, what the market's dictating or whatever, according to StubHub. Um, But I hope nobody's buying that. That's, like, a fucking down payment on a house. Yeah, that's insane. Um, I did see a TikTok earlier uh, with a girl talking about um, trying to use the Amex Platinum concierge to get tickets. Yeah. And so she signed up for this credit card that has a $700 annual fee, thinking that she could get Taylor Swift tickets. And the lady from the concierge was just like on StubHub looking at tickets for her. Because they don't have access to any of that either. Right. So she was, like, complaining about it, which I was yeah, like, Yeah, I mean, Jesus. the entire – it was a kind of a fiasco, like, with, like, Ticketmaster blaming Taylor, Taylor blaming Ticketmaster. It was definitely probably more Ticketmaster's fault than anything. I think they weren't so set much, up for the influx of traffic. Which they promised that they were, and that's why, like, right. she allowed them to do it. But that's right. part of the reason, like, Taylor has brought so much of the, her business and stuff like this in-house because she has, like, direct control over her team, has direct yeah. control over it. Um, which I wouldn't be surprised if she like then 
in the next year or two starts to sell tickets through her like her own system that she creates or has someone yeah. create for her. Yeah, it, it kind of comes to like the Pearl Jam thing because Pearl Jam's done this too, where like yeah. they refuse to sell tickets through Ticketmaster and Live Nation for this reason too. Yeah, um, and so I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, so this happened. Ticketmaster had a presale and then a Capital One presale and sold out of tickets completely before general sale. The presale you had to be like register for it, and then it was it was like, the a verified fan pay. presale, right? Right, which is, like, a lottery, and, like, you were supposed to, like, bumped if you, like, bought some of her merch or if you had tickets to the last tour or whatever, you were bumped up higher in spot. Um, from what I understand, people that had, like, as many bumps as you could get, so, like, Loverfest tickets, um, I think Reputation tickets, things like that on, like, your Ticketmaster prehistory, those people were, like, at the back of the line. Like, my, one of my friends was further back than I was, and she had merch boosts, Taylor Nation boosts and Loverfest boosts. And I just had like a merch boost. Hmm. Um, so like Ticketmaster definitely like dropped the ball on all of this. And then I think it's also really interesting because they're like being investigated by the government now. And I think it's interesting that it like took this for people yeah. to be like, enough is enough. Fuck you, Ticketmaster. But not at all like the fact that I'm paying double the ticket price at the end of the day because of their fees. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Taylor Swift fully was aware that this was going to happen. Like, she has to be. No. She's not dumb. Like, she I knows know. her I, fan base. She knows what she set herself up for. Yeah. She I think, knows that her fans will pay whatever to go see her. She doesn't care. I don't think The girl's in it to make so money. I, no, I agree. I agree. But I think, so, I don't know if you know this. In the past, her shows don't sell out. Um, because she prices tickets high enough to where scalpers don't buy them. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a thing anymore. Scalpers will just do whatever the fuck they want at this point um, for these high ticket shows. Right, but also I think what I'm understanding is it's like it was historic demand for tickets, um, like historic demand, partially because she hasn't toured in I think three years. She's had four albums or some shit come out since then, since she stopped touring, mm-hmm. maybe five. Um, and so like, it was a historic demand for that and also bots everywhere. Yeah. I definitely think that she knew something like this was going to happen. I don't think Ticketmaster or her probably anticipated just how bad. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say with any of these major artists now, like when we were getting Tyler, the creator tickets earlier this year, there was, there were people were doing crazy shit like that too. Right. And I think, well, I mean, obviously like ticket prices are going to come down StubHub, like People aren't going to buy those $50,000 tickets no. and they'll be listed for lower and you can buy those at some point. I just think it's interesting. Um, also, like having been trying to buy tickets, um, the West Coast experience was very different than the East Coast experience because the, the site crashed like, yeah. five minutes before West Coast tickets went on sale and those sales were pushed back. And then it was very obvious that whatever they did allowed more people in because uh, I had friends that were like in line for four or five hours like in the yeah. virtual queue for four or five hours on like the East coast to get tickets. And like on the West coast, you got in like an hour mm-hmm. and it was sold out. It wasn't sold out right away, but it was about to sell out. So I feel like they yeah. let more people in faster and then it was just a shit show. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was just big news. Like for the last couple weeks is this and people are suing Ticketmaster and the government's investigating them. Um, and Over possibly going to try to what? 
Over Taylor Swift tickets. Over Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, it definitely need to happen. I just think it's wild that it took this, this long. Is what, and it, this is this what this is what it took. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Because um, I mean, they are a monopoly with Live yeah. Nation. Yeah. Uh, um, what else has been crazy this year? Uh, fans in general have been psychotic at shows, like as a whole. And I don't know where these crazies came from because I've been going to a lot of shows for a lot of years and I have never seen people behave like this. Like, where did they come from? I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way as well, but I feel like I'm seeing more and more people passing out. Yes, that's a thing too. Like, where did that come from? I think it's a lot of younger people going to shows all of a sudden. Um, Because obviously like COVID hit, a lot of people like turned 20, 21, whatever during COVID and are now going to shows because they feel comfortable. And I, I don't want to blame it on the young people, but I feel like it's a, more people being irresponsible um, and not like drinking water at shows and that kind of thing. But I, mean, I definitely I drink water at shows, and, like, but I've never passed out before. Oh, I've gotten blacked out at shows. Well, not yeah. blacked out, browned out. Yeah. Um, I've never passed out, but I th- yeah. also think that's possibly it. Like people are just either consuming more alcohol, like mixing stuff whatever um but i've noticed an uptick in that as well yeah i don't know people are like lining up at crazy hours for shows and it's like ugh, i don't have the energy to deal with all this i also like don't want to be on barricade like i don't care enough i don't that's not going to do anything i have zero interest in being on the barricade let's be real i want to be back by the bar (laughs) i also want to be back by the bar no i agree like and i i was talking to one of my friends at the 1975 like what I feel like now in my life is that I feel too old to be in the front. Like, not that I am too old, but it's like, this doesn't do anything for me. I'm not like a 15 year old willing to fight my way through a crowd. I'd like to have my space. I want to be able to dance and like move around. I don't want to be like pressed up against each other and just like be filming the whole time. You know, like if there's a band I really like, I want to be able to like move and like enjoy Enjoy yourself. Yeah. People have also been, like, you You talking about people, like, shoving to the front and, like, filming the whole show. Like, people are treating these musicians like fucking animals. Oh, I know. I've noticed that, too. I feel like people are filming. Well, depending on the artist. When Not even the filming. Music, they're throwing things on the stage. Like, oh, I know. Like, that's why Steve well, Lacey hates all his fans. <laughs> um, so, Harry Styles, his whole, like, brand is kindness, is what I saw. And, like... Somebody threw a Skittle and hit him in the eye. He's been hitting the balls, like, countless times during this tour. And, like, yeah, people are just, like, throwing shit. I mean, Acid Dad last year lost a computer to somebody throwing a beer bottle on stage. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, And I don't understand, like, why they're doing that. Uh, Like, Steve Lacey got pissed. Uh, I think Kid Cudi walked off stage. Someone threw a camera on stage at him. Like, someone threw their phone on stage at him, and then he, like, smashed it. And then stormed off stage. Um, I think Kid Cudi, like, didn't he walk off? Uh, he stepped in to headline. I think Kanye was supposed to headline a fest. Yeah. And, and Kid Cudi stepped in to do it, and people were throwing things at him. So he played, like, two songs and stormed off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Maddie Healy, somebody was in Portland was throwing shit at him. He said, he just goes in the middle of the show, like, stop fucking throwing things at me. I don't understand. Like, what do you think that's doing? Like, what, you're yeah, not getting why? anyone's attention. Like, I don't get it. I don't either. And like, you could hurt somebody. You could hurt somebody in the crowd. You could hurt someone on stage. Clearly, like performers have lost 
you know, hundreds of dollars worth of equipment because someone yeah. threw something on stage. Like, why? What is going on? Why? Where did these know. people fucking come from? No, but I, I don't know, but I've noticed it too. I can't deal with it. It's crazy. Yeah. Also, like, we got to stop, like, lining up to go to see a show early. Like, you're, and, like, comparing yourself to other people and, like, gatekeeping that, you know? Like, who cares if you stood in line for seven hours? I'm going to show up at doors, if not after doors. Yeah, I'm probably going to show up when the first band starts playing. Let's be real. Right. And that doesn't make me less of a fan. No, it means it we have means day jobs and can't stay there. Yeah, I cannot right. stand in line all day. I have a job. I don't want to. That sounds fucking terrible. No, I also I have a fucking personality life. and a life and things to right, do. Right, I got shit to do. <laughs> I have things to and do. Then, I can't stand there all day. <laughs> I got Pokemon to play while laying on my couch in the comfort exactly. of my apartment. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's just wild. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, like, in the next year or two, as, like, people have gone to shows, they calm down. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, when I saw Beach House earlier this year, the crowd was fucking nuts. Yeah. And it was, like, miserable. Like, it was not a good time. Right. I mean, Beach House was amazing, but the people were fucking awful. Yeah. That was the only show I went to where I was, like, I actively cannot stand being around these people. It was kind of like that for MCR too, though. I felt like I actively couldn't stand being around the people that. Oh, I was way in the back at MCR. See, I was halfway ish in the crowd and like me, Brian and Rachel were like, what the fuck? I hate this. And then like went to the back. Yeah. We were way in the back because we were up close for Portugal, the man on the other stage. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It doesn't make you a better fan. That was a whole say. thing, too, with MCR at Riot Fest this year. Do you yes. remember how many people were so mad on social media the day after? Well, because every song, Gerard Way had to stop and say, hey, can you guys move back? You're crushing people. And, like, was trying to control the crowd crush. And, like, it's because the – I don't know. I, I don't want to blame it on Gen Z. I really don't. But, like, as the more we talk about it, the more it feels like – Younger people have discovered bands that we like, and they're going to shows, getting up in the front and pushing. This doesn't feel like an older person scenario. So I specifically think part of the reason that it was an issue at Riot Fest was because people wanted to mosh. It is Riot Fest. That is what we do. But the way those stages are set up where they have that like viewing area, there's a barricade there. Like people are physically trying to get in to that like front area and you can't get in. And that's why that's what I think. And then people can't step back because there's a barricade behind them. I don't think people were trying to mosh that much. at. That's what I saw on Reddit. People were doing. So was that because I saw like on Reddit, people were running and as soon as doors opened, for Ryfest ran to get to the barricade and sat I mean, some day. people probably did that, but they were a lot of people were saying that the reason that the crowd was shifting around so much was people trying to get to the front and other people trying to mosh, but people also cutting through the mosh pit crowd to get closer. Got it. Yeah, it was just a bunch of unruly people. I think there's a weird thing that's happening right now where people feel entitled to their bands, the bands that they like. And I think we're seeing more of that all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, also it was weird because I saw a bunch of photos from Riot Fest of the MCR day of people, like, sitting down, 
during other bans. Yeah, I mean, that's people that like literally ran in yeah. to get there first. And like, yeah, that's what we talked about that. Like, yeah, we talked about that in reference to uh, to Lollapalooza. Like, oh, God, it's, the it's just fans, so shitty. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like just I said, so you bizarre, don't need to be cause... in the very front. It's not changing your experience of a band. Well, I mean, show. I talked about it when we talked about the Riot Fest episode. I actually right. was mad at Gerard Way after that show because the next day in Detroit, he said how scared he felt being seeing that crowd. And I was like, you motherfucker, you headlined a music festival. Dude, you're playing arena tours. Calm down. You were fine. Your fans would have your your fans were the problem. So I don't know right. why you're acting like you were so scared. Like literally get the fuck over yourself i was like physically mad at my chemical romance after that i didn't know he said that i know he complained about it yeah he said he felt unsafe how the fuck was anybody getting up there no one was getting up there but he's a little wiener now he's he's made money and can do arena tours now so he forgot that people at festivals are going to be a little more unruly yeah that's weird but i will say like I was way closer at Nine Inch Nails, and the older crowd was fine. It was literally the it was the My Chemical Romance fans that were the problem. I don't care what age they were; they were the ones that were the problem. No, but that's the thing, though. Like, I think like where I was when I was in the middle was people Irish age. Yeah, for My Chemical Romance, they were also unruly. But I can't imagine how unruly the front was. And then as soon as I got to the back, it was people a little bit older than us and that was so much fun there was so much room to like move and dance and like vibe and have a good time yeah and i don't know i'm just getting old and this is like that's the vibe i want i don't want somebody pressed up against me yeah i don't know i just think any of these bands that's got a really big following right now like it's a tough time to for sure but like yeah like you said nine inch nails wasn't that bad granted they're not like a me like mcr is I think part of it is also you have to account for the fact that, like, those tickets to see Michael McGromance sold out immediately. Yeah. This was people's, like, only opportunity at a reasonable price to see that. Oh, I, I don't disagree. And they were the only band. If we think about it, I think there was a lot more factors, too. Like, Ryfest definitely should have had a conflicting band play at the same time, try and split the crowd. When you have only one band headlining and everybody yeah. has to then filter in there. Yeah. You need an, a bigger stage or to have removed that middle barrier that cuts the two stages off. Yeah. Like, you have the entire festival at one location. You need to make that location bigger. Yeah, I know. It's There were a lot of factors in there, but, yeah. I honestly, I don't think I would see My Chemical Romance again. I'm going to be completely honest. I have no interest in seeing them again. I had a I great time watching them. I loved it. They were great. I loved the music. Nah, I don't need to do it again. I would agree. I love them. They were one of my favorite bands growing up. I feel like I have more fun listening to their music live at emo night than I do, or like yeah. recording at emo night with like people our age, um, or like at home than I did at that show. And then it's because people also... take it so seriously. Like that's why the emo night bullshit's fun because like it's a joke basically for sure yeah and i agree i think i i don't think i'd see them again it was fine 
Yeah. It's not, like, the vibe I'd want to see them under either. No. They're, like, bands that you want to see that are, like, the shows that you could have seen or have seen when you were younger. And, like, I I don't want to see my Comes and Romance in, like, an arena. Yeah. Oh, God, no. It's like going to see Taking Back Sunday in an arena. I would not pay for that shit. Yeah, so I'm I'm just kind of hoping that these younger and I know we're trying to not generalize it being younger people, but some of these Oh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's fans. not just younger people. Like, people our age are also shitheads. Yeah. It just feels very different all of a sudden. And I, I don't think it's just younger people by any yeah. means. But I do think, like, knowing myself when I was younger, I was more willing to do things like that than I am now. Yeah, I And that's the only I reason totally I generalize agree. that it's younger people. Because I, I don't think that, like, the majority of the crowd up front being assholes younger people or older people because I definitely was that person that was younger yeah I agree we all I mean everyone was an asshole when they were young so right it's like a rite of passage they'll figure it out in a couple years and they'll be fine yeah hopefully yeah hopefully I just don't have to go to those same shows with those same people yeah I agree you know what show Um, and you mentioned it now that I think about it when I saw Black Midi earlier this year that was a young crowd yeah, Black Mini was a very young crowd for me. I saw them in March at the Metro, and it was an 18 and over show, and um, a, there was a group of guys next to us that were like, yeah, two of our friends couldn't get in because they weren't 18. I was like, how old are you people? <laughs> yeah, when I saw them, it was not 18 and older. Um but I, like, I was with some friends, and I was like, you can tell how old everyone is because we are the only people drinking in beer right That's now. That's how you can tell. If you're the only ones drinking, then normally, like, you're the old one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What other show? Oh, Fontaine's DC was all ages. So there was a, that had quite a bit of a younger crowd, too. Interesting. What I really liked, so I, we didn't talk about this in regards to Portola, and I forgot about it. Oh, it was 21 and up. That was a 21 and up festival, and I loved that. I loved, I loved showing it. my ID in the beginning, not getting checked again throughout yeah. the day. I thought that was great. And, like, you could tell the vibe because it was, like, you could tell it was older people. Yeah. Granted, like, some, a lot of people were in college or some shit, but, you know, they, Everyone it was, nice. was way more chill as, as a yeah. whole at that festival than Agreed. any other festival I've ever been to. Yeah, I agree. So that was nice. Yeah, but I'm not going to was... gatekeep festivals and say that they should be 21 and older. Yeah, I don't care. I went, nice to, I went to festivals older. at 18, 19, you know, so yeah, I've exactly. done it. Do I think that festivals should be 18 and over? Yes. I'll agree, yeah. Uh, well, I, think I went to my first festival like, at 19. I do think festivals should be 18 and older because at that point you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't want to be looking at a 16-year-old, like, overdosing on drugs which I've yeah. definitely I've like, seen, seen it. at Lollapalooza oh I've seen it um so yeah I mean I agree with you that is where that is my stance on that though that's cause I'm yeah. you know I'm getting to the point of old man yells at cloud you know <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel uh, talking about some of this stuff I do too and that's why I'm trying to be like open about it and like yeah. not gatekeeping the fact that like people are younger because like i know yeah. like 
I feel like it's shitty to be like, you shouldn't go to these shows because you're young. Because, like, I, I went to them when I was young. Yeah, I did too. But, like, I also realized I was probably also a shithead and people felt that way about me. So I tried to have the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. be like, okay, I'm just going to hang out in the back or where the bar is, like, somewhere I can get to and, like, I can see fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll I enjoy myself like that. Like, I have yeah. fun. Yeah? That way. Or I leave and then some guy looks at me and is like, good luck getting back. Which actually happened at Modest Mouse. <laughs> oh yeah, you just went and saw Modest Mouse do the their one of their anniversary shows, right? Yeah, for Lilt and Crowded West. That was great. You almost were gonna sell those tickets too. Um, yeah, to go see Bill to Spill, but I figured like seeing Modest Mouse do an anniversary tour is much more special than yeah Built to Spill because they'll just tour again. Yeah, I saw Built to Spill earlier this year, so <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Do you have anything else you want to do for music? We're at about the normal time we got call it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we hit music pretty hard. Okay, cool. Um, so with that, um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five star rating. And if you're feeling extra saucy, you can leave us a written review. Um, if you don't want to do that, reach out to us on social media, listen through the song and you'll hear all of our contact info. Uh, reach out to us. We're, we're pretty nice sometimes. Um, <laughs> and with Lindsay coming back to Chicago, we'll be able to start doing more in-person interviews with the breweries around here too. So make sure you keep up with everything we're doing on social media. We'll see you guys in two weeks for the rest of this episode. <laughs> All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you. Um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.